0: The Week in Doubt, religious news stories from a skeptical perspective, random musings on everything from pop culture to politics, and even audio documentaries on weird and interesting topics like Krampus and the history of the holidays. The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, and this is episode 325. And so here's that list of shoutouts I promised. So we have FN James Hickman, Todd Forceman, Josh Glass, Michael Bernard, Nick Christ, Barry Purcell, Amanda White Cooper, Heather Lynn Broussard, Maurice Daniels Daniels, and Ariel Gaylor. And so those were all people who recently liked the Weekend Out Facebook page. Thanks everyone, it's greatly appreciated. And before we get started, I thought I'd quickly mention the Patreon bonus show. In the last episode, I kind of nerded out, gave my thoughts on the TV series Vikings, uh, the Avengers Endgame movie, and this final season of Game of Thrones. Maybe this weekend I'll record another bonus episode and give my thoughts on Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5. Very controversial. Seems fans aren't happy about Daenerys' twisty twist or heel turn. I think I was personally more bothered by logical considerations like, geez, doesn't that dragon ever run out of fuel? But uh, anyway, onward. So you guys know me, I make no effort to disguise the fact that I'm left-leaning, but I nevertheless usually try to steer clear of politics on the show, for the most part, unless I'm covering some bible-thumping politician, or discussing a separation of church and state issue, etc. But recently, a couple of right-wing figures that I both personally find very annoying had public meltdowns and I couldn't resist. So I guess first I'll start with Laura Loomer. She's a far right Trump supporter, former employee of James Keefe, uh, James O'Keefe, rather, the guy behind uh, Project Veritas. Remember that? Uh, she's a conspiracy theorist, despite her protestations in the clip I'm going to play. She suggested that a number of mass shootings were quote unquote false flags. She's issued controversial tweets in which she seems to celebrate the deaths of refugees and Palestinians. And I understand, you know, if people have sincere or thoughtful reservations or concerns regarding immigration, but publicly seeming to revel in the deaths of others, uh, in case you don't believe me, uh, here's a tweet from 2017. Stefan Molyneux, another controversial figure, had tweeted, over 2,000 migrants have died crossing the Mediterranean so far this year. And then Laura Loomer replies, good, with an applause emoji. Here's to 2,000 more. And she's also known for her attention-seeking stunts, interrupting a Shakespeare in the Park performance of Julius Caesar, because she thought Caesar, who obviously gets assassinated, bared uh, too close a resemblance, or bore too close a resemblance, to Donald Trump. Uh, She chained herself to Twitter headquarters, etc., etc., So she and some other controversial figures were recently booted off of Facebook. And here she is having a meltdown on Alex Jones's Infowars.
1: Well, they're just trying to kill us. You want to know what they're trying to do. They want us dead. And I hate to make it all about myself, but I have been defamed. Okay, my life has been destroyed. My life has been ruined, Alex, by people who have defamed me online. I am 25 years old, and it will probably be like this for the rest of my life. But what are they doing? I wanna know what people are actually going to do. My life is ruined. Does? I understand i just think you need to go with it but at least the president is concerned about it he's concerned about it. But that's not going to stop the fact that I've lost 90% of my income. That's not going to stop the fact that I literally can't make a living anymore, even though I have a degree. I was valedictorian in college. I graduated top of my class in my journalism program. And I'm sick of it. I'm fighting harder than most conservatives. I'm fighting harder than anybody. And I'm being destroyed. And they mock me and they say I'm some crazy conspiracy well, that's. Here these people don't understand. Like, my life is unlivable at this point in time. Like, what is the point? My life now, I have to worry about getting murdered by leftists and Muslims every single time oh, I go outside. Oh, I know. It's
0: disgusting. Oh, I know. I know. They're so protected. It's so sick. It's so sick. So Alex Jones's reactions there are just priceless. It's like a combination of, oh, shit, I finally found someone crazier than me and... Hey, lady, I'm going through my own stuff. I just can't be bothered to care. I love what's you say. Mm, it's probably better just to go with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 it's sick. It's, it's terrible. And I guess if I was going to try to appeal to uh, the better angels of my being, I might say, yeah, yeah, if, if I tried, I could kind of feel bad for it because she sounds like she's in real emotional distress. But this is, of course, really a bed of her own making. She's pretty much burnt all her social media bridges. You know, she's pushed the envelope, and even after being repeatedly warned, just continued to post crazy shit until, you know, she's essentially been deplatformed from almost everywhere. Uh, And also, financially, despite her crying and everything... um, I think she's got to be all right. I think I heard something about her having already raised something like $70,000. I'm not sure if that's true, but I did hear that figure, approximately seventy dollars or $75,000 uh, from another content creator who is covering the same thing. If it is indeed her official Patreon, I mean, it's a relatively modest sum, say, compared to someone like... Jordan Peterson, who I think uh, when I last heard was making at least like sixty thousand a month on Patreon, but if it is her official Patreon uh, page, she's making roughly nine hundred a month. Then uh, she also has ways in which you can donate to her on her official site. And I've heard it's kind of her shtick, you know. She gets herself in trouble, cries, and then she always ends up raking in some dough afterwards. So um, financially, uh, it seems like uh, she knows how to land on her feet. And before anyone bitches, yeah, I know technically Jordan Peterson no longer has a Patreon account. Uh, I believe both he and Dave Rubin deleted their accounts after the whole, uh, Sargon fiasco. And whatever you think of Jordan Peterson, I gotta say, I do think that's kind of impressive. Just, just being real with you. I don't think I would have what it takes to, uh, you know, find the, the inner strength or principle to delete, uh, an account that was bringing me in, uh, that much money. Uh, just being honest, I don't, I don't think I would. But once again, to reiterate, you know, if anyone's tempted to feel sorry for her, this really is a bed of her own making. If she really feels strongly about immigration and topics like that, she should be able to use that big journalism degree she brags about. And, and, you know, she should have been able to just write thoughtful, sober, well-researched pieces or been able to communicate her sentiments or whatever without resorting to this weird false flag conspiracy theorist stuff, or spewing vitriol about being glad for dead refugees, etc. When you're constantly being over the top like that even after being warned, what do you think's gonna happen? But anyway, now I guess I'll move on to Ben Shapiro, and if you're not familiar, Ben Shapiro is a kind of right-wing or conservative wonderkind. Uh, I know I'm always joking about my kind of slow, lazy voice. Shapiro is the opposite. He sounds kind of like a chipmunk on trucker speed. A lot of people seem to think he's uh, rather smart. And I say this half-jokingly, but he talks so fast it's kind of hard to tell. It'd be funny if that was his uh, his strategy. I'll just talk so quickly that they can't keep up and have to assume I'm smart. So maybe about a week or two ago now, uh, I'm kind of late to the story, he appeared on a BBC show and the host really got under his skin. I believe the host's name is Andrew Neal, and in fairness to Shapiro, I think there probably was some kind of cultural barrier, for a lack of a better word. Because of his very blunt and seemingly pointed questions, Shapiro assumes that the interviewer is a lefty and proceeds to make a complete ass out of himself. As it turns out, Andrew Neal's a well-known right-wing Tory type. Uh, supposedly Trump was even influenced by his take on so-called no-go zones. He was a big advocate of British involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan, even publicly ridiculing those who were opposed as wimps, etc. And maybe this is an indication that our right-wingers are or have moved even farther right, I don't know. But even a notorious right-winger like Neil seems to be taken back by things like the recent six-week abortion bans being passed here in the States. And I don't know if it's a British thing or an Andrew Neil thing, but he has a very kind of, you know, as I was saying, blunt interviewing style, and he states that it's his intention, I'm paraphrasing, to kind of hold people's feet to the fire or challenge their ideas no matter what side of the aisle they're on. But as previously stated, Shapiro makes a complete ass out of himself and makes the flawed assumption that Neil is a liberal. And Shapiro also comes painfully close to playing the perennially douchey "Do you know who I am?" card, suggesting everyone knows him, but no one knows who Andrew Neil is. Let's listen. I think that
2: it is it is intellectual, uh, intellectual sneering of the highest order to suggest that only the left has has new and decent ideas.
3: Some of the ideas that are popular in your side of politics. Uh, would seem to take us back to the Dark Ages, Georgia, new abortion laws, uh, which you are much in favour of, uh, that uh, a woman who miscarries could get 30 years. A Georgian woman who travels to another state for an abortion procedure could get 10 years. These are extreme hard policies.
2: Well, okay, a couple of things. One, I'm not sure. I mean, frankly, I don't know whether you're... Are you an objective journalist or are you an opinion journalist? I'm a so journalist
3: that asks questions.
2: Okay, so you're a, you're a supposedly objective journalist calling policies with which you disagree barbaric and no, suggesting I, only one side of the political aisle no. has ideas. So I just want to point the, out that... No, I, I you... I, I wish you would at least be honest in your own biases. Uh, Mr. Shapiro, so are, are, I know are the, you, are you a member of the
3: in America is now so polarized that on one program you only have the left and another one you just have the right. My job well, is to question those who have strong views and put an alternative to them. If you were an anti-abortion person, I would be putting pro-abortion questions to you. But you are really an would you, you would you call the pro-choice person. position? So, so, so why don't so you just let me ask answer you my question,
2: sir? Sir, I'm happy to answer your question. Please you answer go, this one. Would you suggest would you suggest that a late-term abortion is brutal?
3: I'm not taking a is view on the I'm asking questions. Sir,
2: you just suggested that the pro-life position is inherently brutal and terrible, so I'm asking you, as an objective journalist, would you ask the same question to a pro-choice advocate by calling their position brutal and terrible? What I'm asking
3: you is that why is it that a bill banning abortions after a woman has been pregnant for six weeks is not a return to the dark ages? What's your answer? My answer is something called
2: science. Human life exists at conception. It ought to be protected. Now, back to my question to you. You purport to be an objective journalist. BBC purports to be an objective down-the-middle network. It obviously is not. It never has been. And you, as a journalist, are proceeding to call one side of the political aisle ignorant, barbaric, and sending us back to the Dark Ages. Why don't you just say that you're on the left? Uh, is this so hard for you? Why can't you just be <laughs> honest?
3: Mr. Seriously, Shapiro, I,
2: it's a serious question.
3: Mr. Shapiro, if you only knew how ridiculous that statement is, you wouldn't have said it. So let's move on. Um, would you vote I think for it's Mr. pretty Trump. evident from your would own you questions vote exactly for Mr. what you are saying. Now, you're a star of new media, of conservative new media. Uh, you and others on the left and the right, you position yourselves as supposed tellers of hard truths. But haven't you all just really coarsened public discourse in America and exacerbated its divisions? You know, it's kind of
2: odd to be to be hearing about me coarsening public discourse when you call policies you disagree with brutal and bringing us back to the Dark Ages, sir. Uh,
3: the point, I don't want to return to it, but the point was to put a position for you to reply to it. And I thought we'd cover
2: that. I'll some of
3: the points, too, because on your Your, your videos, characterization
2: of issues is part of the problem in the well, coarsening of public debate. Well,
3: maybe it's also part of your problem, too, because we have from your YouTube videos, Ben Shapiro destroys the abortion argument. Ben Shapiro destroys trans- transgenderism and abortion. Is that not a kind of coarse public discourse.
2: Well, are those videos labeled by me?
3: I have no idea. Why are, are out, why, are, why are you picking out? Why
2: are you? I have a question. Why are you picking out random YouTube videos are, put up by people who are not me? Are you attributing uh... the titles to me?
0: Okay, so I just wanted to jump in to point out that uh Ben Shapiro sounds all indignant or whatever. And numerous people have pointed out that if you do go to Ben Shapiro's YouTube channel, you can actually find uh, video titles like that, Ben Shapiro destroys, blah, blah, blah. And some of those titles that Andrew is rattling off may in fact actually be official, uh, the titles of official Ben Shapiro videos. And on that note, a, a video I was watching, one I'm going to play a clip from, uh, uh, eventually in a moment, uh, <laughs> kind of parodies that labeling style. It's entitled Ben Shapiro gets absolutely destroyed by BBC. And I'm pretty sure they're not talking about British broadcasting. Um, To find out about the BBC they're talking about, you you might have to take a a trip to Pornhub.
3: Are you unhappy with the way they've been described?
2: I think that people can describe me however they please. It's a free country and I'm all in favor of a a public debate. If you watch the actual clips, They are generally civil conversations between me and somebody who disagrees with me.
3: You say in your new book, you suggest that America's largest struggle at the moment is, quote, the struggle for our national soul. We are so angry at each other right now. And I I think that's true. I've just returned from the United States. But aren't you part of the problem with the way you go about your discourse, not the solution?
2: I think we can all do better in our discourse, but the fact that I've reached out to so many people across the aisle to have conversations with them is pretty evident. The fact that I was willing to walk from a publication that was paying me money over principle is pretty evident. The fact that I've called out President Trump, a member of a party of which I am a member, repeatedly when I think that he has done things that are immoral, I think is decent evidence that I'm looking at least for a civil conversation.
3: Well, as you say in your book, you say, there's quite a key phrase, we are so angry at each other right now. But as I say, aren't you part of that anger? Aren't you encouraging that anger? For example, you you described Mr. Obama's State of the Union Address in 2012 as fascist mentality in action?
2: Well, I think that if you are want, if you want to argue with the characterization, then we can talk about what exactly his State of the Union Address said. Is it charged language in politics? Sure, the problem that I have is not with charged language in politics, which I'm generally in favor of. I like a robust public debate and a very loud and, and, and spirited public debate. I have no problem with that whatsoever. What I'm talking about is the assumption that people with whom we disagree politically are inherently of bad character or, in your words, want to bring us back to but, the Dark Ages.
3: But again, it was your description of the State of the Union Address in 2012 as fascist.
2: That's... The wording of, of President Trump's 2012
3: address was bad and wrong. That's oh. There are plenty of things that are bad and wrong, but it doesn't make them fascist. Well, I suppose
2: that's true. But if you would like to, again, if you'd like to read me the column out loud, I suppose I can critique it for you.
3: Oh, well, again with Mr. Obama, you said Jew, and you're, you're a Jewish yourself. I only mention that because put this in context. The Jews who vote for Obama are, by and large, Jews in name only. Ginos, you call them.
2: My statement was based on the fact that Jews in the United States, as an ethnic group, are largely irreligious, which is true by... Every single poll, Jews are the most irreligious group in the United States. As an Orthodox Jew who actually takes Judaism seriously, the point that I am making is that most Jews who are ethnically Jewish are not religiously Jewish in no. any context.
3: No, 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 the point you were making is that Jews who vote for Obama are Jews in name only.
2: I said, I said that yes, that is correct. That Jews who voted for Barack Obama, a progenitor of the Iran deal, a person who was cracking down on religious liberty, a person who spent much of his career as president of the United States attempting to deprive Israel of the necessities to defend itself that that people Jews who voted for president Obama by and large cared about Judaism far less than they did about other priorities
3: did you said they should Correct. turn their badge in as a Jew uh,
2: yes i believe that if you are a i believe that if you are somebody who takes Judaism seriously that comes along with ideological ideological commitment I mean, I guess also, th- I'm just, I mean, I, I, mean I, I hope you're having fun, by the way, going through every old tweet that I've ever sent to try and do gotcha questions. But if you'd like to have a discussion about my general philosophy or things I've done in, say, I don't know, that's 2012, so it's now 2019. If you'd like to discuss something I've done in, say, like the past five years, why don't we do that? How about well, that?
3: Well, because your book is uh, a criticism of uh, how angry America is and how America has to do better. And I'm I have an entire list out-
2: on my website, sir. Sir, I'm on my like, list, I have an entire website of I'd dumb s- bad things that I've said. I'm to point
3: out some of the things you, you've said that seem to me to help to stoke that anger. For example, you said sure. Israelis like to build, Arabs like to bomb crap and live in open sewage. Well, as I
2: say in an article entitled, here's a list of all the giant, bad, dumb things I've ever said. Was that, that, was list that dumb? Yes, that's a dumb tweet, and not only, but it is also important to mention that the next few tweets clarify that that tweet is specifically referring to the Hamas leadership, which, by the way, a BBC I've I've seen is relatively reticent to condemn.
3: No, actually, it wasn't what you went on to do and say, uh, you are correct about the slur on Arabs. It's not all Arabs that want to live in open sewage and blow things up. It's just Palestinians. You went on to say. No, it says the ones who take sides against Israel the in Palestinian the Israel-Palestinian Palestinian conflict. population is rotten to the core, you went on to say. Not Hamas, I say by, the
2: yeah, Palestinian-Arab
3: I, I population. By poll,
2: uh, I say that by poll numbers, they elected Hamas. They elected Hamas. They educate their children in school that Israel should be obliterated, sir. I guess. If you want to read, con- you know, honestly, uh, th- this is a giant waste of time in the sense that the entire interview is designed for you to shout slogans or old things that i've said at me i don't see how this forwards the debate you talk about you talk about undermining the public discourse it seems to me that simply going through and finding lone things that sound bad out of context, and then hitting them with, and then hitting people with them, is a way for you to make a quick buck on BBC off the fact that I'm popular and no one has ever heard of you.
3: Uh, there are not many bucks to be made on the BBC, unlike American broadcasting, Mr. Shapiro. Uh, I get, the point You're I'm trying paid, to make seems. is that your words are hardly designed to produce the consensus and understanding that the book seems to want to produce. Uh, that's my point, that you write about you know, Judeo-Christian culture and so on, but so much of what you've said in the past would seem to turn its back on Judeo-Christian culture.
2: You're lecturing me on Judeo-Christian culture after you call the pro-life position barbaric? I, I just really? asked you a question. And I asked you a question you failed to answer a single one of mine. Frankly, well, I find this whole thing a waste of time. If you want to read the book and critique the book, why don't you read and critique the book? If you want to read if you want to critique me, you can think whatever you want of me. Why don't you frankly, just try and I don't answer care. The I, don't, I, don't, I don't frankly give a damn what you you're, think of me since I've never, of you. I've never heard of you.
3: You and I've never heard of you until I briefed myself for this, but that's not the issue. You haven't You and, and it's me, an in, it's an interesting book. But my point is, your book claims well, that be society... Well, it'd be nice if you quote it from time to time. Your book is... Well, actually, I've done so several times, and I'm about to do so again, if you would let me just finish the question. Your book uh, frankly, claims that this, society uh, you know honestly, is turning honestly, its back sir? on Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, this, uh, what, what are those values what are, what? what are the values it's turning its back on?
2: Uh, I... I you know, I, I'm not inclined to continue an interview with a person as badly motivated as you as an interviewer. So I think we're done here. I appreciate your time. All sir. right.
3: Thank you well, so much. We thank you for your time and uh, for showing that anger is not part of American political discourse. Now, Mr. Shapiro, we'll say goodbye.
0: Man, there were so many good moments there. Uh, I wish I could have responded at times while the clip was playing. I've experimented with doing that with a screen capture tool, but I don't know if it's because my computer lacks horsepower or if it's just the case that the software sucks, but my screen capture recordings are usually always laggy and riddled with glitches, oh well. But I think my favorite moment was when Andrew Neil said something like, Mr. Shapiro, if you knew how absurd that comment was, you wouldn't have said it. Also, that kind of nuke at the end. Uh, Thank you for demonstrating that anger is not a part of political discourse, or whatever it was. (laughs) Another beauty was when Ben Shapiro kind of snidely said that he believes in science. But okay, so this next little clip is from the Ben Shapiro absolutely destroyed by BBC video I was alluding to before. <laughs> and it's bound to offend some people, but it appealed to my sick sense of humor. I was watching online reactions to um, Shapiro's appearance, and I happened upon a video from Chank Yuger's nephew and some of the stuff he was saying in response to these ludicrous six-week abortion bans uh, just cracked me up.
4: Also, I love that Ben turned around and said, uh, I'm a fan of something called science. Like, as though science is on his side. The fucking fetus is like one and a half. It's, it's half an inch at that point. Half an inch. That's what the fetus... It's not even a fetus. It's like a gummy bear, dude. You, you pee that out, basically. You take a fucking pill which 90% of abortions are, by the way, 90% of abortions are you just go to a doctor, you take a pill, and then you have a light, I mean, you have a heavy period. You have a heavy flow. That's what it is. It's not a human being. It's a fucking gummy bear. It looks like a goddamn deformed salamander, as the chat's pointing out. So Ben is trying to act like that's actually a real human being, like fully grown, fully developed adult, like a baby that's about to go out and, you know, Bust out of the mother's pussy and play fucking Legos.
0: Gummy bear, deformed salamander, Legos. But yeah, on a serious note, this six-week abortion ban thing is crazy. I think Andrew Neil is completely right. We're moving backwards. I'm not even sure where this Christian obsession with abortion comes from. The Bible never really seems to speak out about it. To the contrary, the Old Testament seems to imply that life begins when you draw your first breath. And I believe, according to Exodus, killing a person is to be taken much more seriously than causing a miscarriage. And I think I mentioned it on the show a long time ago, but there's even a story in the Bible that involves going to a priest to get a concoction to give to a pregnant woman. If the child is her husband, supposedly the pregnancy will endure. But if the conception was the result of adultery, then drinking the concoction will essentially cause an abortion or miscarriage. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's the ordeal of the bitter water, and it's found in Numbers. I mean, I get having respect or reverence for life. I think it's a good thing, but six weeks? Jesus, no pun intended. I think someone aptly described it as Christian Sharia. Uh, Basically, creepy Christian guys trying to control what women do with their bodies as early as six weeks. I think, as other people have said, you know, kind of darkly joking. Maybe we should uh, ban Viagra or vasectomies. Isn't sex supposed to be for reproduction? And if God wanted you to have a boner, he'd allow you to get one naturally. (laughs) I mean, but there's a good point about fairness in there somewhere. And uh, the whole thing's just crazy. And with that being said, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. Thanks for listening, as always, everyone. Uh, you guys know the drill. Please like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you want to support the show monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash Doubt, or you can make a one-time uh, donation via PayPal. To do that, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration. Or simply use philalbertelli at gmail.com. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.